Can you see it there? If you could just describe the photo I've sent you. Yeah. So we've got uh, like a, a ruddy faced, jolly looking man in his, I would say, late 60s. Uh, he's got he's got a, a Tilly hat, <laughs> as many as many of his vintage do tend to have. And he's got it on in, in a jaunty manner. One side up. Yeah, one, one side up. He's got a toothy grin. The yep. teeth look like they may have seen the business end of some tobacco. Absolutely, yeah. And other uh, delicious uh, delicacies over the years. And he's got the tantalizingly cryptic UFO t-shirt on. There's a, like a little green man up in the corner. Well, just the yep. head, really. Yeah. Um, alien workshops, a little menacing looking. Yeah. And then the little text below the image, just a screenshot you've sent me. Yeah. A little text that uh, presumably he sent below the image that just reads, I guess you're gone. This could be a record cover. Yeah. If you're an enterprising band. It could be kind of an indie. Like, yeah, what's exactly. going on? And the, the album could be called, I guess, I guess you're gone. Yeah, the album's called, yeah. I guess you're gone. Yeah. And that's, that's the cover. Mm-hmm. And the hook for this would be how I came in possession of this truly cursed photo of a man named Gary. Yeah, right. And that's the that's the introduction to a one hell of a compelling story. I hope so. We're talking turkey. We're talking turkey. Welcome to the show. We're talking turkey. We're talking turkey. So my first encounter with Gary was in a little town of Erin, Ontario, spelt Aaron, pronounced Erin. Ah. Setting the scene, sitting at a red light, children in the back, and the feeling of being jostled quite substantially. Okay. Uh, looking in my rear view and a black Dodge Ram is uh, much too hit. close to comfort. Got hit. Oh, oh shit. Okay. You got rear-ended. rear-ended. Got rear-ended. Yeah. In Erin, Ontario. Pronounced Erin. Erin. <laughs> Thank you. Irish. Uh, yeah. And this is at the close of a, we had a nice long weekend at, at the cottage. Okay. You're coming home. It's about a four hour drive. We're about 20 minutes from home. Sitting at a red light, mm-hmm. get rear-ended. And, like, you know, it's substantial. It wasn't enough to hurt anyone. You're looking at the kids like, you okay? Yeah. They're fine. Uh, it was really just a, a firm jostling. Okay. Uh, yeah. So, so I get out. And, you know, just, kids seem to be fine. No one's, like, crying or anything. Are you getting out angry? Are you getting out like, oh, shit happens and we're all good? I'm kind of getting out... A bit confused, yep. but I'm getting out being like, what happened? But everyone's fine. So yeah, it's a, it doesn't seem like a substantial strike, but there's damage. So the, yep. the bumpers sort of crumpled. His truck's got a little bit of damage on the front, but pretty minimal ultimately. So I'm looking yep. at it and I'm going, all right, it's a bit of a... It's a fender bender. It's a fender bender. Yeah. So I get out, and of course, Gary is the driver of of the the Dodge Ram, which is you know it's maybe a maybe a fifteen year old kind of shitbox Dodge Ram. That sounds like Gary. And he gets out, and he's immediately quite apologetic. Okay. Well, well what happened? I don't know yeah. what happened. Um, I just thought you were going. I looked down at my phone because I got my own 
got my own uh, oh, Gary. business. I looked up, I'd hit you. And I'm like, uh, distracted driving. Distracted driving, Gary. It's a menace. First, first yeah. strike. And, but first strike. My response is almost like a, a I realize now it's a like a fawn response because I have once done the same thing. Uh, One time I was driving in Guelph. You're empathetic. Yeah. I, I, I went to empathy first. That's my fault. Should be, it shouldn't be a virtue. But you may... Offender benders is an adversarial situation. You can't you can't come in empathetic. No, I'm. Uh, yeah. But I immediately start uh, saying to Gary, "You know what, Gary? I've done this before. One time I was driving. My I thought my son was choking. He was a baby. I heard like yeah. a choking sound. I looked. I was like, you all right?' And then I turned uh, around, uh, and yeah. it was the same situation where it's like I thought the cars were going ahead of me, but they weren't. And it was like split second. I'm like, listen, Gary, I've been in the exact same spot as you." It's all good. We're all safe and sound. Yeah. It's just a fender bender. No Let's big square deal. this. Yeah. We exchange insurance, but he's like, if there's a way to not go through insurance, that would be great if we can avoid insurance. People do like to say that. Now that's People because like to the, say the, the, the rates go up, right? Yeah. He's like, who wants to go through insurance, you know? And his hands are kind of shaking as he shows uh, me his his insurance and we we take pictures of the insurance and so on yeah he feels bad about it and i think that's why i was like trying to comfort gary in this moment because he he seemed pretty rattled i don't know why that's my response like that's a it's a shock it's kind of a shock response it's a fawn response your kind (laughs) soul is it or am i it's a trauma response i don't know you know (laughs) like like, how like shouldn't i be like you just yeah rear-ended me you know I yeah, I would do something similar. I mean, th- that is a response too to be an aggressive asshole. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. To me, I was like uh, minimizing. I was like, you know, I'm willing to. I'll check, sure. Gary. I'll, I'm gonna. I'll, I'm willing to like consider that. And he's like, can we just get it somewhere and see yeah. how much it could be? Okay. Before Gary's we... like, let's let's get estimates. Yeah. Let's not fly off the handle yeah. here. Let's not go Run right off to insurance. Half cock to daddy. And, yeah. Uh, Cause a whole lot of headaches. We don't need that, Gary says. And I, I'm willing. At this point, I'm like, fine. Like it's just a fender bender. Like sure, you know. Yeah. I'm willing to take it in to have a look. That's okay. And sorry, it, what's the what's the status of your bumper? I think you mentioned it, but I might have missed it. How the, how's it looking? The bumper's definitely crumpled. Okay. At this point, I didn't realize that the door, the the uh, rear door could not. Okay. The hatch can't close. Yeah. yeah. So you got, all, you got some structural damage. It's not just yeah. cosmetic. Yeah. No, I I thought it was maybe cosmetic. Later when yeah. I get home, I'm like, ooh, the the hatch doesn't yeah. shut. That's an issue. It's That's also an issue. I'm, we're driving a Volkswagen, so it's like nothing's particularly cheap when you're dealing with a Volkswagen. No, still no. being paid for too, right? Like it's like not a. Yeah. We bought this car a couple of years ago. It's still being financed, so it's like right, right. We do have to get this fixed, and and who knows once you're in a Volkswagen situation, right? Like, yeah, how much? Yep. It's not like a BMW situation. No, no, but it's not. Uh, it's not a Ford Tempo situation. Exactly. Yeah. So I was reluctant, but I was like, Gary, fine. But it was also a holiday, holiday Monday, so nothing's open. So I'm like, okay, we yeah. can't take it anywhere right now. We're also yeah. just trying to get the kids home. It's been you know several hours. Yeah, in yeah. The car. You're like, fuck the car, get the kids to bed, whatever. Yeah. yeah. So we leave it at that. We exchange information and get the kids home. As I'm unpacking the car, I realize maybe there's a little more damage than I thought. 
Yep. Uh, I can't get the car closed. The can't the get door. it closed. <laughs> can't get the rear hatch closed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So at some point, I send him a message the next day saying, I'm taking the vehicle in to get checked out around noon. We'll let you know how things look. Unfortunately, yeah. the trunk seems to be affected too as it's no longer closing. No response from Gary. Ooh, Gare. If you want to stay off insurance, you got to be quick on those responses. You kind of have to respond. Yeah. So I take it in and yeah. they're looking at it at the collision place and the guy's like, there's something wrong with this car. I'm like, what? And he's like, something's wrong because he can't get the can't get it closed. Right. He's like, this rear panel, which is kind of the panel at the bottom of the the trunk, has lifted up. So ah. he's really hit it and sort of hit my trailer hitch and knocked the the gotcha. rear yeah. panel up, shifted yeah. it up, and gave you, gave you a bit of a reverse uppercut. Yeah, with exactly. that Dodge Ram because it's sort of lower. It hit up on it, and yeah. uh, the the guy's like, you know, once you start going in here into your car you, the fender's one thing but if this has affected the you know there's all these sensors back in here just recalibrating those sensors costs like six hundred dollars or seven come on just to go in and recalibrate them you know so yeah. it's like yeah as soon as you start getting into that stuff it's really expensive and the guy's like he heard my plan that maybe it wasn't insurance he's like insurance brother insurance insurance wow so it's yeah, like yeah, okay yeah. Okay. And he knows. This man knows. He knows. He's, he yeah. owns a collision place. You know, he's, yeah. this is what he does. So I was like, willing to take his advice on this. And I was like, what do you, what do you think this could be? He's like, uh, could be seven, eight grand. Wow. Like, wow. 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 Yeah. And then I'm thinking, is Gary good for this? Gary, I did at some point start Googling him, his, his name and where you Googled he's. Gary? Googled Gary? I did Google Gary. He did. He had a unique surname. Ah, okay. And he's an electrician. I believe he's okay. been an instructor at, at a, a college. So I'm like, okay. Okay. Blue collar guys can make quite a bit of money. They can. Uh, however, I don't know if he's got eight grand just uh, no sitting around. He was driving a bit of a shitbox. And he's also not responding to me at this point. Yeah. So, so I sent him a note. Hi, hi, Gary. Bad news. Collision Place says there's more damage than I realized, including significant da damage to the rear panel and door hatch. We will have the estimate by tomorrow, but the guy said it could be easily be seven to eight K plus at least a week without the vehicle. So rental costs as well. Yep. The collision guy strongly recommended going through insurance. And I think he's right. If you'd like to discuss, please give me a call. I will be reporting at the Guelph Collision Center shortly. So you still have to, you have to go and report. Yeah, you got to go. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so I'm sitting at the Guelph Collision Center. He finally, at this point, responds with just one word. Why? What? Just why? Oh, to that long Gary. text. Oh, Gary doesn't know that that's an insufferable thing to do, maybe. See, now I'm responding with, with empathy. <laughs> <laughs> but I was like, it's a dick move. It's yeah. a dick move. Well, just to say why. But I think he's an old man. I could see my a parent of mine doing the same thing, being like, the why is like, why is it costing so much? Or, yeah, or it could be a why to any of those things. Yeah. And, you know, Gary, I don't know if, he, I think he's had some hard miles. I think he'd be maybe in his early 60s. He looks more of an elder than maybe he was. Oh, I see. Okay. Might even be in his 50s. He could be in his late 50s yeah. with, with just a lot of tobacco use and um, alien 
conspiracy stuff. Yeah. Who knows? Right. So he says, why? So I give him a call back. At this point, I'm like, you're calling. I, Gary. I call. I call Gary. He he picks up. Yeah. Yeah. And he's like, why do you want to go through insurance? I'm like, well, oh. I want to get my car fixed. And I'm starting to get worried because it's it could be a lot more. And I explain the rear yeah. panel stuff. And again, he's like, well, it was just a love tap. Oh, like, Gary. Uh, well, Gary, I... this is why we're going through insurance. This, is, this, isn't, this isn't about two humans who aren't qualified <laughs> hashing this out. This is the whole reason yeah. we have insurance. Exactly. To prevent this frustratingly maddening conversation. Exactly. So I going through that where I'm like, wow, okay. It wasn't really a love tap. It was a little bit more than that. The car has significant damage. And then also I explained to him how much it could ramp up. This could be eight grand or something yeah i don't know if you want to be paying that uh gary how did you broach that were you like soft chewing around that like well it's quite a lot of money gary and, uh, <laughs> yeah like are you, do you have are you liquid what's your yeah, situation how liquid gary? Are you, gary he heard my points and he pretty quickly was like okay okay i and i'm like you know we have to get this vehicle fixed. Yeah. Like, I don't want to be screwing around yeah, 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 with yeah, with yeah. this vehicle. Like, it's our family mm-hmm. vehicle. Yeah. You're lucky you hit a car with two kids, like a family of four in it. No one was injured. Yeah, like, right. Consider right, yourself right. lucky, Gary. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it could've, this could have been worse. Exactly. Yeah, like, um, you were looking at your phone. Like, we're not even talking about the distracted driving part. There's a lot of things I could have I could have yeah. brought to Gary's attention. He yeah. quit, pretty quickly relented. I eventually gave him the information about where he could file it. And I said, so I ended up having to go drive to an OPP station, Guelph Collision Center, obviously not the right place to report it. If it happened in Erin, Ontario, I had to go out there. So I, the kindness continues for me. I sent him a picture of the little scrap of paper that has the information of where he should go oh, report come on. his own. You've got daddy issues. You should head in there. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> I tell him this is when I reported it to happen this time. Just just because it's like, maybe he doesn't know. Um, yeah. All good. Going through insurance, never regretted that at this point. I'm like, this, mm-hmm. is, this is the right call. Yeah. Now, that should be the end of it with my yeah. interaction with Gary. Yes. Here's where I continue to go wrong. <laughs> I get the car fixed. I see the number, how much it costs to get fixed. Yeah. It was 8900 plus Oh, my the, God. Plus a two-week rental of a car. Oh, my God. So and we're talking about- that might be longer than two weeks. Yeah. It, well, that that's what it totally was. It, okay. So this yeah, is okay. At, sort okay. of at the end of the- Right. This is, you know, weeks later once we finally yeah. got it returned. I see the invoice. I know it's taken two weeks of rental, which I don't know. It's like- what, 200 bucks a day or something? To yeah, it's a, a car. Lot. It's a lot. Yeah. So we're talking about what, another couple grand, at least yeah. two to three grand. So we're talking yep. about a ten to $12,000 cost overall, or eleven yeah. or $12,000 cost overall. That's wild. Yeah. So I, this was, this was sort of around lunchtime on a Tuesday. I think maybe I'll just let Gary know how much it costs so he can feel better about the decision to go through insurance. Cause it's yeah, like, right, right. Yeah. Where it's like, I saw how much it was. And I was like, shit, Gary's going to be, I bet you yeah, that this, he made, this we made the right call story for Gary. That's yeah. what I, yeah. The so, higher the bill, the happier Gary ought to be. Yeah. So I was like, 
I know I don't have to do this, but I was yeah. like, maybe I'll just send Gary a note saying, hey, dude, it was like nine grand plus the rental. Yeah. I think we, good call, you know, just to mm-hmm. ease his mind or whatever. Yeah. And then I get a message back said, who's this? And I say, you've got to be fucking kidding me. Yeah. And it's written in a Gary way with what? who s this? Who's this? I say, James, the guy you rear-ended a while back. Just an update. Oh, there we go. Yep. And he said, oh, okay. Gary has taken ill, and I am his partner. Ah. Intriguing. Yeah. Taken ill. That's an interesting expression. Gary has taken ill, and I am his partner. Because he said he had his own business, like an electrician business or whatever it was. Right. So this is his partner. I say... Oh, I see. Sorry to hear about that. Hope Gary is on the mend. And he responds, yes, yes. Okay. 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 Um, That's at noon. Now I'm feeling bad for Gary. I'm like, is this, was this accident like a trigger Uh, for him? Did it send him into a spiral? He was in a fragile state. The accident has tipped him over the edge. (laughs) I think back to the shaking hands, his worry. Uh, it's all coming into focus. Yeah. And I'm yes. like, oh, man, Gary's yeah. really going through a lot. And now he's taken ill. He's taken like, ill. When do you ever use that expression? Like when someone's been committed? Like, yeah. you know. Only under the gravest of circumstances. Yeah. yeah. He he's wasn't... taken ill. Like, yeah, it's going to be a long haul here. It's not, this isn't a weekend cold. No. So, and and he's, he's kind of, he's taken himself out. Like, it, it's, when you've taken ill, it's like. Yeah. You haven't become ill. You've d- expressed that you've become ill. I, I, a lot's going on in this, yeah, yeah. this this intervening five hours until dinner time when I get yeah. a response back at 5.41 p.m. that same day saying, okay. hi, hi, how are you? So I'm like, oh, shit. Who's maybe- Is this Gary? Gary is this Gary now? So yeah. like the partner had the phone, yeah. right? Because it's a work phone. And then now it's someone saying, hi, how are you? So I'm like, okay, we got Gary here. It's just mad. <laughs> and that's it. Just hi, how are you? <laughs> that's what he says. So After, he's, he's read the interchange, I guess. And now he comes back with, hi, how are you? I say, doing well. Hope you're feeling better. Just messaged no, earlier. You're, in, <laughs> you're not on these, not on these gracious terms. <laughs> It's just checking, checking in on your well-being. I'm, I'm actually worried about Gary at this point. I'm like, shit. Well, I, I'm glad. <laughs> now I feel like I really maybe it, this will ease his mind. Like I, you know, because <laughs> yeah, okay, okay. Maybe maybe right. I could do some help here. Yeah. Okay. So you can be of service. Said, yeah. Just messaged earlier to say that the cost of the repair ended up being eighty nine hundred plus a two week rental. So I think the insurance turned out to be a good idea yeah yes you know that's all i wanted to say was like yep. I had and and it. and you already said it in the text thread you're just reiterating now i'm reiterating because now yeah. i'm talking to gary yeah and he says yes for sure can i see you please oh my god to which he then responds again please what? and <laughs> a single text and then that says please and then he hits me with the photo. Oh my god! So it was. Oh my god! Yes, for sure. Can I see you, please, at five fifty-six? Yeah, five fifty-six again. 
please. 557, I get the picture of Gary while I'm making dinner. And for a second, I consider, I'm like, is this a thing you send selfies now? It certainly isn't. No, but I was like, do I send Gary? For, uh, in, Gary's, in Gary's circle, it might be. Yeah, I know he's taken ill. So like, yeah, he's taken out. He, why did I'm like, do you just want to see I'm okay? Like, what's what's yeah. going on here? Can I see you, please? What would you do in this situation? Oh, I don't. I I mean, I certainly wouldn't send him a photo. Yeah. Uh, I my patience would be running out with Gary at this point. Definitely. <laughs> what did you do? So then he hits me with, "I guess you're gone at five fifty nine. So like, pretty quick. Yeah. Two minutes later, I'm like, well. That's pretty desperate. At this point, I'm like, this is getting weird. I'm not, I'm obviously not sending him a selfie. No, that behavior is, I feel like that is generationally explainable to a certain extent. Do you think so? Well, not really, but a little bit. But at this point, I'm thinking he's just a kind of a kook. Because, I mean, I'm seeing the alien thing and I'm like, oh shit, Gary's looking good. Like he looks happy, you know, like he's doing well. (laughs) Yeah. That's not the face of a man who's taken out. So yeah, I was like, you know what? It's it's good to see his face in 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 a certain respect. Yeah, I'm, I was at this point. I had been worried about him. You know, I had been worrying since about lunchtime about his illness. <laughs> so the, so the selfie he sent and the selfie he requested is not that unreasonable. What because like it, it it brought you a certain amount of comfort. At, at a certain point, I was like, I'm so glad that. You're doing better, Gary. In my mind, I'm like, you know, he's feeling yeah, right. good enough to send selfies. He looks pretty happy. Um, yeah. And then at uh, 7 p.m., he says, yeah, gone. So I've eaten dinner, finished dinner. So he's trying again, being like, yeah. Uh, gone. So he's come yeah. back to it. Wow. So. Yeah, gone. See, now it's now getting a little bit aggressive. Yeah, or it's desperate. I, I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I say. Sorry, apologize. I start with the apology. Sorry, of course, wasn't yeah. sure what you meant by that, but glad you're doing well. Exclamation point. Yeah. And then he hits me with, when can we fuck, my love? You want my cock, baby? You've got to be fucking joking me. That's what he hit me with. You've got to be kidding me. What? What? That's what he hit me with. This is insane. <laughs> this is insane. When can we fuck, my this? love? You want my cock, baby. And it really changed the coloring of everything. <laughs> <laughs> I went back to my language. Here's the guy who rear-ended you. I'm the guy who rear-ended you. Did he just... <laughs> that? Oh, my that God. Different framing. no yes no yes how can this be this is gary baby this is just gary and i was just after this i'm waiting for the dick pic i'm just waiting yeah of course that's coming that's coming in gary's defense it never came what a gentleman what a prince Oh, good Lord. What is your theory on this, on this turn of events? I've worked it over a few times. I mean, 
maybe he was confused. Maybe he's yeah. maybe he does have random hookups and he's literally confused. He thought it was a guy that Yeah. But the ins- but the insurance, the insurance. Yeah. Like the all of that yeah. rich yes, context is in the text yeah. chat. Yeah. But maybe he's really that far gone, Gare, that he's jumping between like maybe he's like, Who's what chat is this? Yeah. I don't know. You know, like he's getting confused. Or he's a one of these sort of he gets off on humiliation or like one of the uh, internet guys ooh. who's just trying to send everyone his dick or like a, he's like yeah. a, a aggressive oh, troll type guy where it's like this is what you that do. That doesn't sound like the Gary I know. It doesn't. And the best part of this photo is it's a live photo too. So you can like kind of oh, see so, him. So, <laughs> slightly moving. Slightly I fucking hate moving. that feature. I don't, I don't understand that purpose of that feature is it was such a such a confusing end to what was uh, oh what was my a, God. what was a somewhat cordial relationship that we had going on and it took a turn that like you know if i was a a woman maybe <laughs> these turns happen all the time where it's like you think oh. this is a normal interaction then it's it's oh. like the yeah. dick pic comes or the like you want my cock yeah oh my god yeah. Does he not remember me with like the wife and kids? You know? None of it makes sense. You know, like none of it makes I'm, sense. I'm, I, yeah. I'm not a prime target if you look at that. Like I'm very yeah. heterosexual presenting in that moment. Yep, yep, yep. No, that's that's a bold move. I see where you went with like the he must be confused. Because <laughs> what other it he ha- it has to be a mistake. I guess you're gone. Yeah, gone. It is. He got a bunch of threads where he's trying to solicit. He's just like hit, he's just hitting people yeah. up. Like he's got like fifteen lines out. Yeah, there. and he's and he's forgotten. Can I see you, please? Please. It everything took on a different light after the. Yeah. You want my car, right. baby? So now when I'm scrolling through my texts, if I go sort of back. Yeah. Back yeah. Deeper, I see. It, sometimes I just see the "You want my cock, baby?" I'm like, "Oh, there's Gary." Glad we went through insurance. Really glad we went through insurance. Imagine trying to extract eleven thousand dollars from Gary. Uh, <laughs> He's like, "Yeah, I'll take it out of your ass." It's also this was seven p.m. Jesus H Christ, where does Gary get off? Like this is mad on so many levels. This was a, like a Tuesday at seven twenty-three. He hits me with, "When Gar- can we fuck, my love?" I mean, Gary has no right fucking anybody. No. And maybe that's why he's got so many lines out. Because it's like, okay. you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is, this is, it's insane. This is insane. It was a crazy interaction. And the album cover, it's a little different now. It's got a different context now. <laughs> the context around that picture. Now I think of it as a truly cursed photo, as you can tell. Or and yeah, for obvious reasons. Right, right. But it's an argument for insurance. Just like go through insurance, <laughs> kids. Like I'm gonna tell my son about this one day. Like you remember Gary? Yeah. Now we went through insurance, and I'll tell you why you should always go through insurance. Like what's oh, this what's is the why lesson here? You always go through insurance. <laughs> or it's like men oh are my fucking dirtbags. Yeah. Like, Second lesson: men are dirtbags. Third lesson, like you had, you have given Gary the benefit of the doubt throughout this entire way. ordeal, and that's that's how he returns the favor, the nerves, the cheek. 
I mean, maybe I should be flattered. <laughs> <laughs> and and no no word since, obviously. No, I, I left it at that. I did not respond, and uh, he did not reply. Yeah. Oh, fuck. That really, really I mean, sucks. That's wild. Yeah, I mean, it was... It was to me, it was kind of it was jarring but hilarious. Yeah, it is. The funny. love tap language took on a different hue. Oh yeah, that's right. That was just a love tap, baby. <laughs> oh, Gary! This man has instructed out of college. Oh my god! Before he took ill. Oh, before wow. he took ill. Yeah, yeah. Before he took ill. Yeah, yeah. He has a LinkedIn, you know? Oh, that's crazy. Yeah. Anyways, that's just crazy. That's the Gary. Yeah. That's the, that's the Gary story. That's the Gary story. And what a story it is. That's nuts. That's really nuts. Boo! The Gary photo does bring up... So, like... Yeah. Gary... I've got my reservations now, knowing what we know yeah. about Gary. Knowing what we know about Gary, you've got reservations, as you should. But the style he portrays, pristine, arguably pristine <laughs> style. We've got a Tilly had a skew. We've got yeah. a large graphic T, like... Like, a, a truth is out there yeah. level T. I mean, you could put that in Parkdale, and it would fly. Oh, that's interesting. I see where you're going. Uh, yeah, it's like origin citation. If if this is on Gary, this is horrible style. Right. Arguably. Yes. Obviously. But on like a slim 22-year-old in Parkdale, this is like hot shit. You'd be like, nice tea. Good luck with I like the Tilly with the one side. Yeah. Up. Like, oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it does raise the question... I mean, we assume that the center of fashion would be in a big city like Toronto. I remember when I lived in Toronto, I got swayed. My sense of fashion changed. I started dressing a little bit more together. I remember some friends being yep. like, you're dressing so Toronto. Like, <laughs> they would, they could, they could pick like, it out. Uh, <laughs> it's like, like, <laughs> When you, you you didn't come directly from Peterborough. Yeah. Like you had you done time. It's a waste. You've done time elsewhere. But when you live in Toronto, especially yeah. in yeah. some of the more trendier areas, which arguably you live in yeah. one of the uh, a very high fashion area, you see yeah, I do. so many aggressive stylized looks. Everyone mm -hmm. has an outward aesthetic that they've yeah. put some thought into, yeah, put yeah. some money into usually put some effort into that it's harder to be just a slouch or just yes. a full opt out. You can't opt out of the, the situation. You're also, you go by the stores all the time with all the different garbs and you're like, what is my outfit? You know, so yeah. you, you choose something. A very good point. Yeah. Now, what I've noticed now I've moved out of Toronto, all that pressure was immediately gone. As soon as I l moved out of Toronto, you immediately can opt out. And my lovely partner, Hillary, I was bringing this up to her today, and she said, oh, yeah, I remember that when I was in Guelph. The first winter we were in Guelph, I realized 
we were in the middle of an ice storm, I could just wear my snow pants to the bar. Because <laughs> no one would care. <laughs> Adult snow pants, of course. And it makes sense because you need them. You need them. It's yeah. practical and no one will it's care. Practical. And no one gives a shit. You're still probably dressed better than a lot of the people there. So yeah, we yeah, yeah. quickly dropped all Toronto affectation or even interest right. and became more practical. Yeah, And that, yep. I argue, is the seat of style. That's where style comes from. <laughs> is uh, you can't get a look like Gary's in Toronto yeah. without Gary in the world. Is my argument. Oh, interesting. When you're in Guelph, if you wanted to like a smaller city, dress like Toronto, you don't have access mm. to the like you could order online and so on, but you don't have the social pressure around you. You don't have the examples to follow, and you actually don't yeah. have the same access to the materials. So you end up just wearing what's around you. And most people opt yeah. out. And they just start wearing like whatever. And you get highly what are, eccentric styles because of it. What are people wearing? What are what are some looks? I'm picturing a lot of like mountain equipment co-op. Like, isn't it just like the gap, like just mall fashion? Yeah. Some of it's very bland, unnoticeable. Like an old navy. Yeah. But you get a lot of looks that they're unorthodox they'll just be like wow you would never yeah. see anyone wearing that like pants tucked into the socks or like uh just like wild wild looks that are pure practicality okay. pure opt-out where i'm like this is fashion this is style now right so okay so let me reiterate remove from the high pressure context of uh, like a major metropolis People stop caring and no longer have access to the resources to participate in whatever the mode happens to yeah. be. So they default to whatever works or whatever's comfortable. And in that defaulting, they hit upon a truly authentic new style that is innate to them, which you posit as the actual source of real style. That it feeds back into the metropolis. Wow, man. That is really interesting. Take something like Gorpcore. You're familiar with Gorpcore? You know that I'm not. You're in Parkdale's, sir. <laughs> you're you're I know. You're, you're subject to it. So Gorpcore is using mountaineering wear, mountaineering garb, like kind of like the 90s, 2000s yeah. uh technical fabrics, high color fabrics. Um Again, this this same should happen with normcore. It's yeah. like you can't. It's really just vintage. It's vintage, sure. sure. Uh, but it's from like it's from the two thousands. Yeah, but so it's the idea of using like some of that mountaineering outdoorsy shit, but wearing that in a stylized way. So you you see a lot more right. like um, like like fucking zip like zip up pants, sure. And, um, fanny yeah. packs, like fluorescents, yeah, yeah. puffer jackets. But I think you're right. This right. is just what's available at thrift thrifting right now yeah it's just vintage from 20 years ago yeah yeah yeah, yeah. but I, I hear that but the people yeah in smaller cities never gave that stuff away right they never moved on from the trend so they still have it and they've just <laughs> kept wearing the same clothing and i think you're right most people have very bland style or like unremarkable but you have the outliers who are like yeah, the looks you see in a okay. smaller city are so pristine. I would argue you could take them and put them like straight in a museum. 
Like they, they, they're untouched. <laughs> they're untainted. It's a, it's a pure, it's, it's like you're right at the source. It's the purest madness that you'll see. Like Gary's look, for example, it's like that. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's perfect in some ways. Yeah. Yeah. He would pay yeah, a yeah, lot yeah. to thrift though his clothing. <laughs> if he would ever give it up and he will not, he will no. wear it until it's rags. I mean, I guess one immediate counterpoint is what makes something fashionable is a process of selection, a process of, you know, there's a, a kind of like a historical, I mean, irony is the clumsy word, but there's this idea of play and playfulness. Right. You're selecting something that has long been untouchable and, and kind of reclaiming it. Uh, that's the wrong word to use. And then in the small town, it's like they're still wearing it. So it's like... Uh, the people that I'm seeing now, young people are wearing what I wore, you know, when I was 20 years old. They're like thrifting these big collared, like Y2K era dress shirts, like wide legs, kind of like bad Aldo square shoes. Yeah. Um, if I were to wear those things. Yeah. Myself, it just appears as if I never stopped wearing those things. I feel like, isn't that the small town? Yes. They just never stopped. So there's no dialogue with the world of style. They're not yeah. in discourse with anything. They've completely opted right. out. And maybe yeah. that isn't, that's anti-fashion or that's norm core, but it becomes a driver for fashion or it's arguably more fashionable in some ways because it's pristine. Yeah. It, it's truly eccentric. It's out of the discourse. Right, right, right. <laughs> The norm core conversation keeps coming up, and I've listened, we've we've we visited this a few times over the years. Yeah, give our give our fine listeners a norm core, and so like like the 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 manifesto that they had, which is a ridiculous term. So I think you know, just so it's on record, yeah. I think we call that as thrifting like '90s stuff. Like you know, in the 2000s we were thrifting '80s stuff. Yeah. In the '90s we were thrifting '70s stuff. In the 2010s, you're thrifting like 90s, 2000 stuff and, and like the cycle continues. But there was this in their more self-righteous moments. They were like, uh, uh, we're, we're not looking to like Milan or New York. We're looking to like middle America, like small town America, you know, which I think was always the case with thrifting. You're doing this referential playful work of channeling these bygone looks but I, yeah, to your point, you're like, no, like the the small towns, small cities have opted out entirely. Yeah. Uh, it's it's a freeing, it's a completely freeing gesture. And you're getting real style as a result. I'm trying to make that argument. However, it's really hard because I, having lived in, in Toronto, you see real style people and it's impressive. They are very much put together. Um, yep. There is this sort of mushy middle where it's just a more elevated kind of it's like a uniform. Yeah. Like everyone has the same <laughs> bag for a while. Everyone has the same. The same glasses, yeah. same sweater, same shoes. There's a lot of that in Toronto, definitely. Yeah. But then there's also yeah. people who are really pushing the edge. Like every morning yeah. they get up and they're like, I am putting something on that will be remarkable or different. Or some people are in like. You see like goth style or like, uh, yep. you know, you see yep. all the different yep. camps go by of, of different groups yeah. of people. Like the, the sort of like urban ninja people. I remember that was big when I was, you remember they, they would wear just all black 
sort of technical gear, very fitted. Oh, yeah, yeah. But they look yes. like ninjas. Yeah. But every piece they're wearing costs like $500. You're like, right, right. Yeah. You're like, oh, there, there go the ninjas. <laughs> <laughs> or the punks. Like, there's still yeah. like real people still doing like straight up punk stuff. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. They put yeah. a lot of actual labor into each patch that they put on. They're, yeah, yeah, you know, absolutely. Yeah. So it's like, That's is meaningful. that style versus like someone who's just operated in complete disregard of fashion and has stumbled upon an eccentric collection of practical items that creates a brand new yeah. look in isolation. I appreciate, I, I really, I want to believe, to, to go back to Gary's shirt, I like that idea. It, it does feel like when you're in a big city, that is in some ways impossible. And, and also, it, it feels like the fashion cycle is forever beholden to this referential loop. It doesn't end. Yeah. You know, like the, the hot look is always thrifting 10 to 15 years ago. It's not stopping. It's always citation, always citation. At least it has been. It's virtually impossible that you see someone who's just putting on, like adorning themselves. Yeah. You know, like maybe like a small child. Yeah. You know, where it's, I like this because I like the color. Yeah. Or I like this because it's got like a thing on. Yeah. Or I like this because it, you know, makes me feel like a whatever. No adult dresses like that, which is a goddamn shame. You're saying some adults In small cities. And they're in small towns. They're in small towns or cities. Interesting. Yeah. And the problem is something like Normcore, their their manifesto was like trying to like opt out, choose unremarkable yeah. things. They were yeah. too knowing, so they would still fall into that trap. Their yeah. selection process was still stylish. But I think you're right, the childlike quality of just being like this, yeah. this thing, because I like it for this way, mixed all together. I think you get a lot more museum worthy looks in a small city. Yeah. And then that um, starts to, that starts to feed in. Like you think about someone like Mac DeMarco, who's an indie yep. musician, and his style is great. Yeah. But it's a very norm core style of like wearing what is yeah. thrifting style. But like yep. Yep. you can find Gary wearing a similar style as <laughs> Mac DeMarco. It's like Mac DeMarco's taking notes. On tour, he goes through Middle America taking notes yeah. from the the elders who have fully opted out and just wear what they like for whatever reason, with no regard for formal aesthetics, just a mix between preference and practicality and isolation <laughs> creates these very individualized looks. And, you know, you go into these small cities you you know you you might as well consider that a runway because what you see coming down main street is pretty impressive it's pretty unique uh yeah i love it i love yeah. it it's freeing i'm inspired it's it's weird like uh you know as uh, to my point earlier like as you age it becomes like a left right decision with fashion like when you when you're younger and you're interested in clothes and style it's obvious you're like this is what i'm wearing but as you get older, you're essentially booted out of that cycle of reference. Uh, then I feel like you either need to be like quite wealthy and you're buying like like couture yeah. level things because it's and that's in a sense like easy. You know, you're like, I'm just buying expensive, stylish shit. That's like timeless. It's not. But like you, that's kind of what you're going for. Or you're just like hitting the fucking like JCPenney. Like 
mall fashion route. I feel like myself, I'm in this like uh, turning point right now. And um, you're saying there's another option. And I like that. I'm inspired by that. Yeah, what's it like? Where are you at? Because you walk down Parkdale and you're seeing the experimental youth, the youth who are like really fashioning themselves like into an identity. Like at some point you were maybe closer to that you know, sure. But then yeah, you yeah. age yeah. out of it. You know, like in the 2000s, you're wearing like vintage tees and like thrift store trucker hats. And you you kind of age out of that. With men, it's, and especially in Toronto, to your point earlier, there's like kind of like a uniform. That's the level down from the super hip kid yeah. is this like more elevated uniform yeah. where like everything's kind of expensive. Like picture like the national. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like how the national dresses. It's a stylized look, but it's not entirely fresh or edgy in any particular way. I, I feel like that's the kind of route that you can take in the city when you're getting older. Yeah. Um, and there's male and female equivalents of that. But it's it's a little dull, yeah. right? It's, and it doesn't change. Like, I remember looking, I was looking at shoes and I was like, oh, it's the same shoes all the time over and over again. It's, you know, like vintage New Balance sneakers or like vintage Adidas gazelles. It, it, it's just, it's the same thing over and over again. And like the glasses, it's the same frames. Yeah. I've got them. Everyone's got the same glasses. You know, yeah. it's like the wool overcoat. It's just, I don't know. Yeah. It's, um, it's not a bad look. It's a clean look. It's a stylish look. Yeah, yeah I think when you go to small town, you, you look Toronto. maybe feel a cut above. Yeah. But there's nothing original about it. Yeah. Like it's very much a uniform. If you come out of Toronto wearing the uniform and go to any other place that isn't Toronto, you look Toronto, right? So it's like, <laughs> yeah, right, is that really right. stylish yeah, exactly. then? Like it, it is. Yeah, it's, no. it's a great yeah. look. There's nothing wrong with it. It's professional. Yeah. It's good quality. It's like the yeah. the tailoring might be nice or whatever. But at yeah. the same time, is that really what style is? No, it is not what style is. Yeah. But what do you style but, as an it's an, an independent articulation of the self, yeah. ideally. Or then what do you do? Yeah. You're stuck. You don't have a choice. You're like, I don't have the energy yeah. to make my own style anymore. Like when you're younger, that feels like a, a real extension that you you put you energy do into it. it. Yeah. You wanna do it. It's like your music choices, your your clothing choices, you have the energy to be creative or be yeah. thoughtful about that in some way. But as you get older, yeah. you're like, can I just give me a shirt that works? Like, I don't care. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Energy is part of it. It's also, it's like, not to denigrate it, but like, it's kind of like an ego attachment that you get that hopefully I feel better for having done. So you get tired of, of it's, it is a misguided investment. Obviously you want to look good and feel good about yourself. And I feel like you're expressing yourself uh, sartorially. But that those attachments are like libidinal, like ego attachments. I used to hang on like music yeah. and art and TV and clothes. Like that shit's exhausting yeah. and it's a dead end. Like you want to get off of that cycle. And you get to a point where you're like, none of these are actually articulations of myself. They're yeah. articulations of a projection of, you know, the self that I, I'm frustratingly trying to cling to. It's not actually me. Yeah. And then it gets expensive. Gets increasingly it's expensive. expensive. Yeah. So yeah, what do you do? Yeah. The opt out. I used to sneer at it, but like a true opt out gets you back to a close, a more individual articulation. Fuck, man. Arguably impossible in a big city, though. Yeah, I think that's true. I Although think that's, that's true. not. There's always been this like um, 
fetishizing of the homeless aesthetic not always but there's yes. been this like it's been around for yeah. a while yeah yeah i think it, since at least the 80s yeah yeah where it's like uh, yeah people down on their luck are using more practical choices they're not like <laughs> yeah that's where the Eat. the style like some new ideas comes from because they're thrift it's again coming from thrifting but it's also this practicality and they've completely opted out of spending serious money on yeah it. it's it's about getting yeah by. absolutely and i think there's always been like a vampiric relationship between like the style the the culture machines you know as it is related to people with money yeah and the working class yeah. or, or like the the downtrodden it's like uh they have wealth and they have resources but they don't have vitality they don't have suffering yeah they don't, and, and therefore they don't have anything meaningful. Yeah. <laughs> like they don't really have a meaningful experience. Yeah. So they have to like uh, latch on to people who are living more. I mean, meaningful is a horrible term, but people who are uh, struggling. Yeah. Right. And people who are, who are having a hard time and, and uh, you kind of glom on and appropriate that style, which makes it even more fucking sinister yeah. and awful. Like, like just join, jo- join the suffering, right. you know, and, yeah, yeah, rub like, shoulders with those people. Yeah, you think of like the Balenciaga stuff, like the it yes. like basically looks like rags. Some of that stuff. Yeah, where you're like, yeah, yeah. It's it's a bizarre appropriation of the like ultra yeah. rich appropriating wear and tear. You know, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, um, yeah. But I I I love what you're saying. I I like this. It gives me hope. Um, yeah, one should cultivate one's own sense of self. Right? By opting out, it's almost impossible. I'm going to do it. <laughs> okay. I'm gonna, I I I think the way like my my first thought went to sketching. Like I, I feel like I need to like sketch. Out. We should be making our sketch. own clothing. This is the only way. Sketch out a look. Yeah, exactly. Everyone That's has to make their way. own clothing. Doesn't matter where you're at. Um, how? That's a rule. How are your sewing skills? Doesn't matter. That's part of Doesn't the expression matter. of self. I'm not great at get sewing. Them, get them better. If you want them to be better, then get them better. Yeah. That's up to you. Well, like you think of the rolled up um, denim, the the cuffs. Apparently, that was because that was the sailors who didn't have wives who could actually like hem their, oh, hem their jeans. Are you, really? Oh, that's amazing. That's amazing. So it's yeah. an expression of your situation. Um, yes. Yeah. That's uh, and absolutely. And this is your original point. This is where real fashion and style comes from anyway normalize making your own clothes and yeah. mandate it mandate yes. it <laughs> this is where we always go wrong <laughs> it gets fascist so quickly <laughs> a, a great idea that we, we then force on everybody <laughs> well fashion isn't sustainable but mandating making your own clothes might be yeah that is that is sustainable <laughs> yeah. absolutely one last point on this, you know, my daughter now is obviously getting interested in all of these things. Right. So How she's old is she? getting older. Uh, 12. Wow. She's, she, yeah. Yeah. Right, right in it and wants to go to these fast fashion places. And I took her to one recently. I took her to H&M and, um, and I was like, you know, like, oh, come on, hurry up. Like, it's all shit. I'm like, what do you need? Yeah. Like, you know, it wasn't being great, but I was trying to, you know, like, get what you need. Let's get the fuck out of here. And uh, she's like, go look at like the men's. I was like, I, like, no, like I can't. I've learned this lesson. I've 
gone through the fucking fast fashion gauntlet. It's a miserable conveyor belt. Um, I think that, you know, you need to like be spat out of the other end before you're like, all right, this, this shit is unsustainable. There's a style machine that drives that. And it's a fucking ecological disaster. Um, make your own clothes. I love it. That's the answer. And she, she gets a sewing machine or like uh, yeah. some, <laughs> uh, what are the, the things you put on your thumb? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, she'll be so pissed about that. But you yeah, can yeah, mandate it in that's your own right. home. That's where it Man, starts. Oh, yeah. It starts at home, of course. <laughs> it starts at home with your preteen daughters. That's when they start <laughs> learning how to make their own. Uh, I think we've really gotten somewhere here. There we go. That's it. That's us. I know you mean well. Stay out of my way. I know you're here to help. I don't see it that way. Wish I could start again, but that's only wishing. You told me to take my time, but I never listened. Listen.